Chapter Twenty Two of Marie Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Mary Antoinette and the Downfall of Royalty by Imbert de Saint Amand. Translated by Elizabeth G. Martin. Chapter 22 Lafayette in Paris. One of the greatest griefs of a political career is disenchantment. To pass from devout optimism to profound discouragement. To have treated as alarmists or cowards whoever perceived the least cloud on the horizon. And then to see the most formidable tempests unchained. To be obliged to recognize as one's proper cost that one has carried illusion to the verge of simplicity and has judged neither men nor things aright. To have heard distressed passengers saying that a pilot without experience or prudence is responsible for the shipwreck. To have promised the age of gold and suddenly found oneself in the age of iron is a veritable torture for the pride and the conscience of a statesman. And this torture is still more cruel when to disappointment is added the loss of a popularity laboriously acquired when having been accustomed to excite nothing but enthusiasm and applause one is all at once greeted with criticism howls and curses when having long strutted about triumphantly on the summits of the capital one sees yawning before him the gulf at the foot of the tarpian rock such was the fate of lafayette a few months had sufficed to throw down the popular idol from his pedestal and the same persons who had once almost burned incense before him now thought of nothing but flinging him into the gutter stunned by his fall lafayette could not believe it to familiarize himself with the fickleness the caprices and the inconsequence of the multitude was impossible for him the constitution was a sacred ark and he did not believe that the very men who had constructed this edifice at such a cost had now nothing so much at heart as to destroy it he would not admit that the predictions of the royalists were about to be accomplished in every point and still desired to hold aloof from the complicities into which revolutions drag the most upright minds and the most honest characters he who in july seventeen eighty nine had not been able to prevent the assassination of foulon and berthier who on october fifth had marched despite himself against versailles who on april eighteenth seventeen ninety one had been unable to protect the departure of the royal family to st cloud who on the following june twenty one had thought himself obliged to say to the jacobins in their club i have come to rejoin you because i think the true patriots are here nevertheless imagined that just a year later 
all that was necessary to vanquish the same jacobins was for him to show himself and say like caesar veni vidi vici it was only a later illusion of the generous but imprudent man who had already dreamed many dreams he thought the popular tiger could be muzzled by persuasion he was going to make a coup d'etat not in deeds but in words forgetting that the revolution neither esteems nor fears anything but force as m de lamartine has said one gets from factions only what one snatches instead of striking lafayette was going to speak and write the jacobins might have feared his sword they despised his words and pen but though it was not very wise the noble audacity with which the hero of america came spontaneously to throw himself into the heat of the struggle and utter his protest in the name of right and honor was none the less an act of courage while with the army that asylum of generous ideas the sentiment on which his ancestors had prided themselves rekindled in his heart memories of his early youth revived anew doubtless he had also recalled his personal obligations to louis the sixteenth on his return from the united states had he not been created major-general over the heads of a multitude of older officers had not the queen accorded him at that epoch the most flattering eulogies had he not been received at the great receptions of may twenty ninth seventeen eighty five when any other officer unless highly born would have remained in the old de Boeuf or paid his court in the passage of the chapel had he not accepted the rank of lieutenant-general from the king on june thirtieth seventeen ninety one the gentleman reappeared beneath the revolutionists the humiliation of a throne from which his ancestors had so often shed their blood caused him a real grief and it is perhaps regrettable that louis the sixteenth should have refused the hand which his recent adversary extended loyally though late lafayette was encamped near bavay with the army of the north when the first tidings of june twenty reached him his soul was roused to indignation and he wanted to start at once for paris to lift his voice against the jacobins old marshal luckner tried in vain to restrain him by saying that the saint colettes would have his head nothing could stop him placing his army in safety under the cannon of mauberge he started with no companion but an aide-de-camp at saison's some persons tried to dissuade him from going further by painting a doleful picture of the dangers to which he would expose himself he listened to nobody and went on his way reaching paris in the night of june twenty seventh twenty eight he alighted at the house of his intimate friend the duc de la rochefoucauld who was about to play so honorable a part as soon as morning came lafayette was at the door of the national assembly asking permission to offer homage of his respect this authorization having been granted he entered the hall the right applauded the left kept silence being allowed to speak he declared that he was the author of the letter to the assembly of june sixteenth 
whose authenticity had been denied and that he openly avowed responsibility for it he then expressed himself in the sincerest terms concerning the outrages committed in the palace of the tuileries on june twenty he said he had received from the officers subalterns and soldiers of his army a great number of addresses expressive of their love for the constitution their respect for the authorities and their patriotic hatred against seditious men of all parties he ended by imploring the assembly to punish the authors or instigators of the violences committed on june twenty as guilty of treason against the nation and to destroy a sect which encroached upon national sovereignty and terrorized citizens and by their public debates removed all doubts concerning the atrocity of their projects in my own name and that of all honest men in the kingdom said he in conclusion i entreat you to take efficacious measures to make all constitutional authorities respected particularly your own and that of the king and to assure the army that the constitution will receive no injury from within while so many brave frenchmen are lavishing their blood to defend it on the frontiers applause from the right and from some of those in the galleries began anew the president said the national assembly has sworn to maintain the constitution faithful to its oath it will be able to guarantee it against all attacks it accords to you the honors of the session the general went to take his seat on the right deputy cursaint observed that his place was on the petitioner's bench the general obeyed this hint and sat down modestly on the bench assigned him renewed applause ensued thereupon godet ascended the tribune and said in an ironic tone at the moment when monsieur lafayette's presence in paris was announced to me a most consoling idea presented itself so we have no more external enemies thought i the austrians are conquered this illusion did not last long our enemies remain the same our exterior situation is not altered and yet monsieur lafayette is in paris what powerful motives have brought him hither our internal troubles does he fear then that the national assembly is not strong enough to repress them he constitutes himself the organ of his army and of honest men where are these honest men how has the army been able to deliberate godet concluded thus i demand that the minister of war be asked whether he gave leave of absence to m lafayette and that the extraordinary committee of twelve make a report to-morrow on the danger of granting the right of petition to generals raymond one of the most courageous members of the right was the next speaker four days ago said he an armed multitude asked to appear before you positive laws forbade such a thing and a proclamation by the department on the previous day recalled this law and demanded that it should be put into execution you paid no attention but admitted armed men into your midst to-day m lafayette presents himself 
he is known only by reason of his love of liberty his life is a series of combats against despotism of every sort he has sacrificed his life and fortune to the revolution it is against this man that pretended suspicions are directed and every passion unchained has the national assembly two weights and measures then certainly if respect is to be had to persons it should be shown to this eldest son of french liberty this eulogy exasperated the left deputy saladin exclaimed i asked monsieur raymond if he is making monsieur lafayette's funeral oration however the right was still in the majority after a long tumult godet's motion against lafayette was rejected by three hundred and thirty-nine votes against two hundred and thirty-four the general left the assembly surrounded by a numerous cortege of deputies and national guards and went directly to the palace of the tuileries it is a decisive moment the vote just taken may serve as the starting point of a conservative reaction if the king will trust himself to lafayette but how will he receive him the sovereign's greetings will be polite but not cordial the king and queen say they are persuaded that there is no safety but in the constitution louis the sixteenth adds that he would consider it a very fortunate thing if the austrians were beaten without delay lafayette is treated with a courtesy through which suspicion pierces when he leaves the palace a large crowd accompany him to his house and plant a maypole before the door on the next day louis the sixteenth was to review four thousand men of the national guard lafayette had proposed to appear at this review beside the king and make a speech in favor of order but the court does not desire the general's aid and takes what measures it can to defeat this project pétion whom it had preferred to lafayette as mayor of paris countermands the review an hour before daybreak perhaps louis the sixteenth might have succeeded in overcoming his repugnance to lafayette and submitted to be rescued by him but the queen absolutely refused to trust the man whom she considered her evil genius she had seen him rise like a spectre at every hapless hour he had brought her back to paris a prisoner on the sixth of october he had been her jailer his apparition amid the glare of torches in the court of the carousel had frozen her with terror when she was flying from her prison the tuileries to begin the fatal journey to varennes his aides-de-camp had pursued her he was responsible for her arrest he was present at her humiliating and sorrowful return the sight of his face the sound of his voice made her tremble she could not hear his name without a shudder in vain madame elizabeth exclaimed let us forget the past and throw ourselves into the arms of the only man who can save the king and his family marie antoinette's pride revolted at the thought of owing anything to her former persecutor moreover in his latest confidential communications with her maribot had said madame be on your guard against lafayette 
if ever he commands the army he would like to keep the king in his tent in the queen's opinion to rely on lafayette would be to accept him as regent of the palace under a sluggard king protector for protector she preferred danton danton who subsidized from the civil list accepts money without knowing whether he will fairly earn it danton who while awaiting events had made the cynical remark that he would save the king or kill him strange that the order of the faubourgs inspired the daughter of caesars with less repugnance than the gentleman the marquis they proposed monsieur de lafayette as a resource she said to madame campagne but it would be better to perish than owe our safety to the man who has done us most harm however lafayette was not yet discouraged he wished to save the royal family in spite of themselves he assembled several officers of the national guard at his house he represented to them the dangers into which the apathy of each plunged the affairs of all he showed the urgent necessity of combining against the avowed enterprises of the anarchists of inspiring the national assembly with the firmness required to repress the intended attacks and foretold the inevitable calamities which would result from the weakness and disunion of the honest men he wanted to march against the jacobin club and close it but in consequence of the instructions issued by the court the royalists of the national guard were indisposed to second him in this measure lafayette having no one on his side but the constitutionals an honest but scanty group who were suspected by both of the extreme parties gave up the struggle the next day june thirty he beat a hasty retreat to the army after writing to the assembly another letter which was merely an echo of the first one a moment since the jacobins were trembling now they are reassured they triumph in his chronique de cinquante jours roderier says if m de lafayette had had the will and ability to make a bold stroke and seize the dictatorship reserving the power to relinquish it after re-establishment of order one could comprehend his coming to the assembly with the sword of a dictator at his side but to show it only without resolving to draw it from the scabbard was a fatal imprudence in civil commotions it will not answer to dare by halves End of chapter twenty two